Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. So today I'm carrying on with the series that began last week called Simply Supernatural. And what we've been trying to do is simplify the supernatural and make it more accessible and not the exclusive domain of some 2,000-year-old Bible stories. So last week my message was supercharge me, and we looked at the baptism with the Holy Spirit and how important that was. And this week my message is entitled Superhero or a Sidekick? Now, one of the things you're going to notice is that all my messages are going to have the word super in them. Isn't that super? It's a great superlative. We should all use it. And uh, so anyway, that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, And so, you know, when we think of superheroes, one of the things we often think of is the sidekick. And actually, it wasn't really something that was as characteristic of the comic books as it was of the television shows about crime fighters. And some of you that have been around long enough remember the ones from the 50s and the 60s. You pretty much always had to have the superhero or the crime fighter and the sidekick. So some of you will remember uh, the Green Hornet for example. His sidekick was? Cato, played by Bruce Lee, by the way. And then we had the Lone Ranger, and his sidekick was? Tonto. Not sure that would fly today, but, you know, who knows. Uh, Then you have Sesame Street. There was Bert and Ernie. Uh, I'm not sure that Bert was a superhero, but Ernie, clearly a sidekick. Wouldn't you agree with that? But I think the most famous of all is the dynamic duo. You know who I'm talking about. Batman and Robin. And of course, there they are in the Batmobile. You've got Batman. He's the superhero, so he gets to drive. Robin has to talk on the bat phone. That's what his job is all about. And I think when you look at the metaphor of the superhero, it is an easy transition to the story of Jesus in the Gospels. I mean, if there was ever a superhero, it's got to be Jesus, right? I mean, is he not a superhero? I mean, in history, I mean, he's a superhero. He was always swooping in and saving the day. If someone was sick, he'd swoop in and heal them. If someone was demonized, he would swoop in and deliver them. If someone was dead, there was a funeral that would go on. Jesus would show up and raise him from the dead. Don't you want Jesus to show up at your funeral? And... uh, no, you don't care. That's okay. You go be with him anyway, right? And, and he was clearly the superhero. So if he was the superhero, what were his disciples? Really? You, you don't know the answer to this? The answer is sidekicks. Say, everybody say sidekicks. They, they were sidekicks. But here's my question for you. Did he want to leave them as sidekicks? I think everything we read about the Gospels is the fact that he was training and mentoring these guys for three and a half years, and his intention for them is for them to go from sidekicks to superheroes. And that's why he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's why he sent them out two by two, and he said to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead. Everything that he did, he commanded them to do as, as well. And so when we look at this whole metaphor, when we talk about, last week we talked about, for example, the the supercharger. And the the thing about being supercharged, particularly today, is you don't actually necessarily need to see the supercharger. It can be under the hood. And so that car becomes a sleeper. How many know what a sleeper is? Looks like any regular car, but it's going to beat everybody else in a race because it's supercharged. And that's what you are. You look like the guy next door. You look like the gal next door. But you are not because under the hood, you are not naturally aspirated. You are supercharged by the Holy Spirit. The same thing is true with our superheroes. So superheroes have a secret 
identity, right? You can't be a superhero without a, a, a secret identity that you try to keep a secret, except if you're Tony Stark, right? I am Iron Man. He wanted everybody to know. But for the, for the rest of them, they tried to keep that a secret. And actually, Jesus was no different. I mean, when you remember, he came as the Son of God, but he didn't call himself the Son of God. What did he call himself? He called himself the son of man. And one of his very first miracles was healing the leper in Mark chapter 1. And he commanded him not to tell anybody. And what did he do? He told everybody. He told everybody. Jesus was trying to keep his identity secret at least for a while. And then he was going to have the big reveal. And so we have a secret identity. But underneath, there's something going on. Uh, one of my favorite stories about this is the story of Little Johnny. Little Johnny got a Halloween costume from his mom, uh, and it was a Superman outfit and a cape, and he used to wear that cape around the house and fly around saying, I'm Superman. When he went to his very, very first day of grade one, he wore the red Superman cape. So he's sitting in class, and the teacher's doing roll call, trying to figure out who all these kids are, and they're supposed to stand up and give their name. He stands up, and he says, I am Superman. <laughs> and he sits down. Teacher says, oh, that was cute. That's nice. But what's your real name? He stood up again. He said, I am Superman. And he sits down, and the teacher says, okay, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you don't give me your real name, I need to know who you are. I'm going to send you down to the principal. He stands up, and once again, he says, he's Superman. Next thing you know, he's down to the principal's office. The principal says, okay, this has been fun. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. But for the sake of the school, we really need to know your real, true name. So he looked this way, and he looked that way, and he said, my real name is Clark Kent. <laughs> Surely you all saw that, saw that coming, didn't you? You didn't see that coming? Well, that's why you come to church. You learn stuff like this. <laughs> so uh, here's where we're going to be. We're going to go into John chapter 14 today. And I want to give you the context of it for just a moment. Because Jesus, in John chapter 14, talks about his departure. And he's telling his disciples that he's going to leave. And it's better for them if he leaves than if he stays. They're not very happy about it. And he's saying he's going to go. He says, no, no, look. It's to your advantage for I to go. For if I don't go, I won't send you that helper. And who was he referring to with the helper? He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said, the, the helper, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things. He's going to lead you in all things. He's going to guide you in all things. So he's saying, look, if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit upon you. You're going to stay sidekicks for the rest of your life. But if I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit upon you. And you're going to go from sidekick to superhero. And here's the one verse, just going to build off this one verse today. It's John chapter 14, verse 12. It says, most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Did, did you catch that? He said, if you believe in me, anybody who believes in me, and anybody who believes in the works that I do, these works will you do. And then he drops the other shoe. And greater works than these. Let's just be honest here for a moment. Are you ready for that? How many of you think you're probably going to do greater works than Jesus? A couple of you. A couple of, there's always a few deluded people, right? No, no I, I'm just kidding. They, but most of us don't believe that. I mean, I look at it and think, this can't be right. He doesn't mean really mean greater. Maybe it's translated wrong. Maybe that word really means like lesser or not as spectacular. But I looked it up, and that word greater 
means greater. And in fact, it specifically says more significant. And I'm thinking to myself, we're going to do more significant. We're going to do greater miracles and works than Jesus. And I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. I kind of doubt it. Maybe that's my lack of faith. But here's what I want to say on this. You do need to do greater works than one person. And you know who that one person is? You. We need to be doing better. We need to be doing greater works than we are now. And my thesis today, it's really simple, comes from Superman. And he said that within every one of us lies a Superman. We just need the courage to put on the cape. And if we're not going to put on the cape, let's at least put on the underpants. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm going. Have you noticed this? That the superheroes, they either have a cape and or underpants on the outside. Have you seen the pictures? What's with the underpants on the outside? That makes you a superhero. Some of them uh, have a cape and super, uh, underpants. Some just go with the underpants. And you know, there's a few explanations for this, but I think I probably have the best one. This is what I heard. It's probably true. That Chuck Norris challenged all the superheroes to a fight. And the winner wins, the loser had to wear his underpants on the outside for the rest of their lives. So we, so we know, we, we, thank, thank you for tracking me on this. Uh, so we know how that story all played out. So here's, here's where I'm going with this. Within every one of us, there's a superhero. Whether we think that, believe that or not, there is. And there's three things that characterize a superhero. And here's what they are. I'm going to throw them up on the screen. Number one, every superhero has superpowers. Number two, every superhero has an adversary. Number three, every superhero has a mission. So the first one is this. Every superhero has superpowers. Except for Batman. You notice Batman doesn't have any superpowers? I mean, he's wealthy, that's nice. He's got great gadgets, he's got a Batmobile and a Bat belt and a Bat phone and a bunch of other Bat stuff, but he has no superpowers. And if you remember the very, very first Batman that came out in the 60s on television, check this out. This is, this is Adam West as Batman, and it's Burt Ward as Robin. I just want you to look at, at Batman's arms for a minute. Those are spindly little sticks. That guy doesn't look like a superhero to me. If you were an actor today playing a superhero, you better spend eight or ten hours in the gym every single day. You better be built more like me than this guy, right? You're, you're, all, you're all tracking with this. And, and, you know, when it comes to Robin, come on, the boy wonder... <laughs> The boy wonder how about the boy pretzel stick? I mean, look at this guy. And what's with the dorky outfit? They put him in green underpants. There's no way this guy's going to win any fight against anybody. He better have good computer hacking skills because I don't know what else he's good for. And, you know, th this is true. Probably shouldn't say it. going anyway. Do you know that the DC Comics, of course, still produces Batman comics, and they have now written Robin in as gay? Robin's gay. Got to keep up with the times, right? So there you go. And just so you know this, I mean, that, that the original uh, actors for Batman and Robin, Adam West and Burt Ward, were here in Winnipeg a few years ago with the Batmobile for the World of Wheels. And here's a picture of it. You know, those guys look pretty good. They're in no worse shape now than they were before. <laughs> But other than Batman and Robin, other than Batman and Robin, uh, you're supposed to have superpowers. That's what makes you a superhero. And I don't know how many of you have ever seen the Disney movie called Sky High. Have any of you have seen that movie? 
I mean, this is one of the best Disney, I hate Disney movies. They're all the same story, same story over and over again. And yet, Sky High was something unique, and it was a high school for kids that were future superheroes. And there's this one scene, love it, it's in the trailer, and uh, what happens is they're trying to determine whether they're going to be a superhero or a sidekick, and the determining factor is, do you have superpowers? And so the coach is doing this interview. I'll roll this real quick, short clip. Here it is. Step up here and show me your power. Car. Hero. If you don't make hero, you're just a sidekick. Car. Are you insane? Sidekick. Sidekick. (laughs) Am I the only one who loves this? You don't have superpowers. You are a sidekick. And so my favorite, for my money, there is no superhero like Superman. I mean, he's the best looking. He's got the best powers. He's got the best costume. And so when we did Batman and Robin here on Easter a few years ago, it was called The Dark Knight. You remember, I didn't come as Batman. I showed up as Superman is what I showed up with. And, and, and just so you know, I mean, look at I look just like him. And for the record, the abs are real. And, and here's what I did. I actually preached in the Superman costume. It was a dream come true for me. For Kathy, it was a nightmare. <laughs> she absolutely couldn't believe that I did that. And so I want to just tell you a little bit of the backstory of Superman because it really does lead us into this message. And I'm not just wasting time here, although it might seem like it. And uh, there's a really important history to, to Superman. It's actually one of the very, very first comic book superheroes. came out in 1933. And the developers of it were, were two Jewish high school students. One's name was Jerry Siegel. The other one was Joe Schuster, who was a Canadian, by the way. And they came up with this character. Character, uh, Superman. And then by 1938, they were syndicated. And in episode six, so right early, early on, they came up with the backstory. And so here's the, here's the, uh, the picture of that. That was 10 cents in the time, 1938. And uh, so what they did was they came up with the backstory. How come Superman is who he is? How come he has these superpowers, etc.? So here was their story. And most of you know some of it. And he came from the planet Krypton. He was sent by his father down to the earth. You remember Remember this? Here's what most people don't know, is that his real name is not Clark Kent. His real name was K.L. And K.L. actually, in the Hebrew language, means all that God is. Are you ready for this? Isn't that what Jesus' name was? Emmanuel, God with us, all that God is, was who Jesus literally was. And Superman's father's name was Jor-El, which means God will uplift. And so we have the father, sending him down to the earth where he gets adopted by Joseph and Mary Kent. Well, I may have made that up. It was Jonathan and Martha Kent, but how close is that? So you look at this story, and so he's down on earth here, and here's the explanation for the superpowers. Because he is not from Earth, he is from the planet Krypton, and on the planet Krypton, he was just another ordinary humanoid, but when he came to Earth, his abilities were extraordinary compared to the human beings. Now, I'll tell you why this is important. Because Jesus came 
from above. He was the man of heaven. Why was he able to do these things? How was he able to supersede nature? How was he able to walk on water? How was he able to still the storms? How was he able to to raise the dead? And he was able to do it because he was not from this place. He was from heaven. He was a citizen of heaven. So he sends his disciples out. Don't miss this. He sends the 70 out, two by two. And he says, preach the gospel. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. They came back rejoicing, saying that even the demons were subject to them. Jesus says to them, do not rejoice that demons are subject to you in my name, but rather rejoice that your name... Thank you. A few of you got it. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And the whole essence of it is the fact that our names are written in heaven, that our citizenship is at heaven. And anything that was uh, open and available in heaven is now available to us here on earth. That's the whole principle. That's how you go from a sidekick to a superhero, recognizing that it is greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Are you tracking with me so far? So I know when we look at Jesus, we think, I'm not going to do greater works than Jesus. I understand that if that's how you feel. So let's do this instead. Let's look at another superhero, one in the Old Testament, maybe the first superhero in history, and his name was Elijah. Now, Elijah was a prophet in Israel. He actually used to heal the sick. He would raise the dead. He could control the weather. He could cause it not to rain. He could cause it to rain. He did all kinds of miraculous things. Would it be fair to say that Elijah was a superhero? Yes, it would be. I mean, he is still recognized as the great one. They thought that maybe Jesus was Elijah returned because he was so characteristic of who Jesus was. So we have this story of, uh, you know, Elijah, he's just ripping it up. He's doing miracles. He's the prophet. And God speaks to him one day. He's getting longer in his life. And God speaks to him and says, I want you to appoint or anoint Elisha as prophet in your, uh, in your place over Israel. So he has to go find this kid, wherever he is, and he finds him, and he's out in his farmer's field, his dad's field. He's the 12th son, so he's the 12th plow. So imagine this. You've got 12 plows going along, making furrows. He's number 12. He has his own yoke of oxen, and he's plowing away. And so Elijah sees him, knows this is the one, Elisha, that he is to mentor and him have him as the replacement of the superhero of Israel. So this is what he does. He goes up to him and throws his mantle upon him. And if you're imagining in your mind's eye a fireplace mantle, you're not thinking about this straight. That would really hurt. The mantle in those days, you ready for this? It was a cape. It was a cape. He literally took off his cape and he laid it on Elisha. So Elisha knew that that meant the anointing of Elijah was going to come upon him and he was going to be the new prophet. So he goes and he kills and eats his ox. He wasn't going back to farming. But who knows what happens next? Elijah put the cape back on and he continued to wear that cape for another 10 or 11 years. And he was like the worst mentor ever because he was the superhero and Elisha remained the sidekick because it actually says this that 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 people who knew them referred to Elisha as his butler he said is that not he who pours water over Elijah's hands so then at the very end of his life 
Elijah is about to leave this world. And he was one of only two people that did not see death. Some of you remember this. It was Enoch and Elijah. Neither of those, they got, both got caught up to heaven. So he's about to leave. He tells Elisha he's about to leave. And, and he's actually trying to ditch Elisha. He has still not anointed him as prophet in Israel. So, so he clings on to him. He chases after him. And he says, please let a double portion of your spirit rest on me. And Elijah says this, you have asked a very hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me depart, it shall be so. So, I mean, Elijah's not going to let him out of his sight. And, and he's hanging on and staying near. And then what happens, you remember the story, the chariots of fire came swirling down from heaven, caught Elijah up, and up he went into the, into the clouds. And what happened? The mantle, the mantle of Elijah, the cape, fell from heaven to earth. Here's the picture of it in the children's Bible. You've got to read the children's Bible. you learn a lot of good stuff. Check out the cape. It's red. It's red. It was Superman's cape. This is the beginning. So Elisha picks up the cape and puts it on, and this is what he looked like. There he is. <laughs> same, same, same location. And so here's what you probably know. That from that point forward, Elisha became the, the prophet. He became the superhero in Israel. And he went and did how many miracles compared to Elisha? Anybody know? Twice. Exactly twice. The double anointing. Don't miss this. He did these works and greater works. Isn't, isn't that just like a, a, a staggering story? And here's what I don't want you to miss about this. Because Jesus said it to us. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says, you're going to do these works and greater works. And maybe that means collectively we'll do greater works. But at, at any rate, he did say this. And what we see, don't miss the story of Elijah and Elisha, is actually an Old Testament type of the day of Pentecost. Because Jesus said, go wait in Jerusalem and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then immediately after saying that, what happened to Jesus? Who remembers? He was caught up into the clouds. And then it says the disciples saw it. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit descends upon this group on the day of Pentecost, and they are the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and now dwells in them. Do you see the picture here? You see the picture here? And so maybe we have a hard time relating to Jesus, but this is exactly what he was talking about. That's why he said, these works you're going to do, because I'm going to send my Holy Spirit upon you, just like Elijah sent it upon Elisha. And in fact, James, the brother of Jesus, when he writes about prayer, go read James. And James talks about prayer. And James talks about when we pray, believing and not doubting. And then he says this. He said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed. He compares us to Elijah because the same spirit that was upon Elijah, the same spirit that was upon Jesus, that same spirit is upon you. So when we look at these miracles in Scripture, greater works, I'm still struggling with that one. Are you still struggling with that one? Or is it just me? So I, I counted them up. I thought, I wonder how many people got raised from the dead. Named people that got raised from the dead in Scripture. I counted them up. There's 10 of them. Jesus raised four of them from the dead. And they were the widow's son, Jairus' daughter, Lazarus, and himself. You've got to count himself, right? 
We have Peter, who raised the next person up from the dead, and he raised up Tabitha, one. We have Paul, he raised up Eutychus, that's one. You go into the Old Testament, Elijah raised the widow of Zarephath's son, that's one, only one from the dead. How many did Elijah raise from the dead? (laughs) The answer has to be two, right? Because these works and greater will he do, and he had the double portion, right? And so he raised the Shunammite woman's son from the dead, And it looks like, if you stop reading too soon, it looks like he only raised one from the dead. But he did raise another person from the dead. Do you remember when? After he was already dead. He hadn't made his quota yet. So he wasn't dead. You say, what? What are you talking about? Well, it says Elisha died, and they buried him in a tomb. Some years later, they were burying another Jewish man. They were about to put him in the tomb, and there were some Moabite raiders were coming. They didn't have time to finish the funeral, so they tossed him into the tomb, and he landed on Elijah's dead, or Elisha, rather, his dead, dry bones. And what happened? He sprang back to life. The guy was resurrected, and the guys, his funeral procession were running off, and, and he was chasing after them. Wait up! Don't leave me here. You're supposed to be dead. He wasn't dead because he landed on Elijah's bones. I got a question for you. That means there was enough power in the dry, dead bones of Elisha to raise a man from the dead. What does that tell you? That tells you it's not about you. It's about who is in you. Are you you tracking with this? Are you following this? See, see, this makes it far more accessible. This is what makes it simply supernatural. This is not about us. It's not about struggling and trying to make something happen. It's about the fact that when you received his Holy Spirit, power came upon you, and our job is just to be that conduit. So I'm just going to illustrate it with a story here. So a number of years ago, I was in India. I was working with a group. We were doing some missions work. We were in the province of Andhra Pradesh. We were in the southern part of the province, which is all deserty. By Indian standards, it's quite remote, not very crowded compared to the north. And uh, they sent me out. They said, here's your job. We're going to give you a taxi driver. We're going to give you a translator. We're going to give you a megaphone. And you need to go into the villages, just like in the Bible. And we want you to go into these villages. I said, what am I supposed to do? They said, heal people. That'll get their attention. And they literally sent me out into these villages. I went to dozens of villages. And by, but they were, they, they were small villages, but they might have had two or 3,000 people in them. So there's a lot of people crowded into them. They were very remote. We went from village to village. And so it was interesting because in that region, there was no churches. There was no pastors. There was no missionaries. They were 100% Hindu. There was no Christian people in these communities. There was no white people. Wherever I showed up, I was the only white guy around, which made me a novelty, at least. So I would go. I was such a knucklehead. I just did what people told me then. I should be more like that, maybe. Anyway, I would walk into the, this village, this town, and I would just start preaching. And then after I told them about Jesus, and I said, if you want Jesus to heal you, come up. Now, the Hindu people are actually very useful used to people praying for them or, or at least blessing them. And it's very common for a, a Hindu guru to put his hand on a person and bless them and they'll bow and thank you. And, and uh, it's very common. So they're not, they're not unused to that. So I told them I was going to lay hands on them and they were going to be healed. And so one by one, they started gathering around and coming up. They were very accommodating and they were humoring me perhaps. And then I would say to my translator, what does he want to pray for? He says, general weakness. 
And then the next person, I said, what does he want prayer for? He says, general weakness. And this one, I said, what is this general weakness I'm praying for that these people all have? And my translator says, well, you know, general weakness. (laughs) I "I don't really know. But but anyway, so I'm praying for general weakness, whatever that was. And I guess they were, maybe they were being polite. I don't know. And and so finally I got a a decent one, a guy that was like crippled. And so I I shouldn't have been happy about it, but I was because I got finally, and, and this poor guy was an older guy and he had been hit by a truck. And both his legs, his knees were completely wrecked. He, he could walk. He could walk with a stick. But what he couldn't do is he couldn't hunker. You know what hunkering is, don't you? This is hunkering, where you, where you go down like this, and you sit on your heels. And if you've ever been to Asia, many, many parts of Asia, people hunker. And, you know, there's a billion people in India. They don't have a billion chairs. If, if you have to sit on a chair, it's going to be one national game of musical chairs. Somebody's going to lose. So people don't bother with chairs. They don't necessarily need a chair. And they just hunker. And they all know how to hunker. And they like hunkering. And so they're just much more comfortable doing that. Guys my age shouldn't even be able to hunker. I can hunker. So, you know, I'm good at it. Thank you. And then, so, so anyway, this guy comes up to me. He's got his walking stick. And he can walk. He's not walking well. But he really wants to be able to squat down. He really wants to be able to hunker. And so, so anyway, I, I prayed for him. You know, I'm kind of like the opposite of Jesus. Like Jesus prayed for people who couldn't walk and they walked. I pray for people who can't walk so they can sit down. <laughs> it seems opposite to me. But anyway, so anyway, I prayed for this guy. And the next thing you know, couldn't bend down before. The next thing you know, he's like in a full hunker like this. And you've never seen a guy so happy in his, in his life. And he was just hunkering up a storm. He was just sitting down there and he was smiling and waving. And everybody in the, in the village knew he couldn't hunker. So they were pretty happy for him because now he was hunkering to beat the band. And so now they all wanted a little piece of this action and now people were really lining up and they wanted me to pray for him because if they, this guy, this holy man can make this guy a hunker, who knows what else he can do. So people, people are coming up and I'm praying for people and uh, my translator's still working with me and I'm standing there and I'm talking to this guy through my translator and all of a sudden I feel somebody grab my hand, a young man, he grabbed my hand and put it up on his head like this and he put my hand up his head I was busy doing something like this and, and then he put it down and he went like this he said namaste and then he said thank you and and I said well, what's going on here and and my translator says he says thank you he's healed I said what do you what do you mean he's healed he says he just wants to thank you for praying for him uh, he's healed he had stomach pain and the pain's all gone he's completely healed I said, I didn't, I didn't pray for him. I didn't even know what he was doing. He grabbed my hand. And I thought, he grabbed my hand and put it on his head. And he got healed. And now I'm looking at my hand. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I got something here. Guess what I did next? Yeah, this, this. <laughs> I'm going to get in a little of that before I give too much of it away. I want some of that. I've got some problems in my own life. And here, here's my big point on this. It has very little to do with us. That had nothing to do with me. Do you remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood? She, was, she had this bleeding for some 12 years and she's pressing through the, the crowd and she thinks to herself, if I can only touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I shall be healed. And she touches his hem and instantly the flow of belt, blood, dwell, sorry, flow of blood dried up. And Jesus didn't even know 
that he had been touched. And he turns and he says, who touched me? And the disciples say, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. He says, no, no, I felt power go out of me. And then, of course, this woman reveals herself and he says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. But here's the thing that's so fascinating to me. Jesus didn't give the power away. She took the power. The power was already resident in him. And all she did was touch the hem of his garment. We have stories in the book of Acts where handkerchiefs that touched Paul's body were healing other people. So the whole point of everything I'm saying here, it has nothing to do with who we are, but he who is in us and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives life to your mortal body. So number one, my big point is that every superhero has superpower. Second point, and they'll be just real quick, these last two. The second one is this, that every superhero has an adversary. Superman had an adversary. What was his name? What was his name? Anybody know? Lex Luthor. Luther? Seriously? Luther? You know what Luther is? It's Lucifer with a lift. It's Lex, Lex Luthor. That's all, that's all that is. I mean, that isn't the symbol of the devil. What is? And Jesus tells us, or at least the scripture tells us, that you have an adversary. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And one of the things we sometimes fail to recognize is that even though Jesus went out healing people, many of those people were actually oppressed of the devil. And he didn't actually heal them he actually delivered them from an evil spirit. Am I right about that? Yeah, you remember the, 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 the man who brought his epileptic son to Jesus, threw himself in the fire, threw himself in the water. The disciples could not heal him. And you know why? They were taking the wrong approach. That's why. Because this particular situation was a demonization. And the, the, the word epilepsy is not really translated correctly there. It, it's actually the word lunatic or moonstruck. There was something wrong with, with this kid. And Jesus didn't pray for him to be healed. He cast the spirit out of him. And then immediately he was made well. And our, our problem today is we try to conclude that everything is a medical condition. And that all the problems in our world are, are somehow medical. And we forget that many of them are maybe or possibly spiritual. I mean, when you look at depression and anxiety and fear and, and, and mental illness and drug addiction, not all of those things are necessarily medical by nature. If you have ever known and looked into the eyes of a crystal meth addict, I am telling you that you can see the face of the devil. You can tell they're demonized. It's, and, and, and we can argue about that, but I believe it's absolutely true. I've never seen a case yet where I haven't seen what they've done is they've opened up the world to this incredible demonic force that absolutely cripples their lives. And so what we do is we have all these problems and we're not dealing with them spiritually and we go to the doctor and the doctor gives us some pills for something and they don't have names for all of these diseases so they give us acronyms instead, right? Oh, it's OCD or ADD or ADHD or ACDC or ABBA or, you know, who knows? <laughs> and, I, and I'm not necessarily saying all of these things are, are, are demonic in, in nature. All I'm saying is this that maybe some of these things actually have a spiritual root and maybe what they don't need is drugs and maybe what they don't need is, is supernatural healing. Maybe what they really need is deliverance. 25% of Jesus' miracles were actually deliverances. So I'll just illustrate with one quick story here. One Sunday or whenever it was or evening or whatever, we were praying for people. 
this young man, about 30 years old, he came up and uh, he said, I've got such anxiety issues, Pastor. I need you to pray for me. So I just started praying for him for, that God would heal him of anxiety. But while I was praying for him, I had this sense and I took a chance and I blurted it out and I said, I don't mean to be rude here, but let me ask you a question. Uh, are you into some like online gaming stuff that's got this dark kind of nature to it, kind of a Dungeons or Dragon kind of thing? And he, then he said, yes, I, I, I do this particular game. He named it. I can't remember what it was. And I, and I said, I think this is a problem. I said, I think the Holy Spirit is revealing that you have somehow opened the door to the devil in your life. And I said, I'm going to take authority over that thing. And you've got to participate in this. You've got to cooperate. And you've got to cut that out. You've got to get off that thing. So I prayed for him along that way. A month later, I saw him. I said, how are you doing? He said, I have been anxiety-free for the whole month. And I said, how about that gaming junk you're involved in? He said, I quit that that same day, Pastor, and I'm free. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. So every superhero has superpowers. Every superhero has an adversary. Every superhero has a mission. And we know that the superhero's mission is to come and to save the world. What was Jesus' mission? To come and to save the world. And here's what he is telling us to do. He's saying that we are his representatives in the world because he's gone. He said, it's to your advantage for me to leave because I'm no longer leaving you as sidekicks. I now want to impart what I am and who I am to you. And the supernatural is going to be the key to this right? And I think we can all agree on this, that we're probably not going to win the world with intellectual arguments, and they're actually not afraid of the supernatural. We are. And if we would step out in the supernatural, maybe that would just be the thing that is going to convince this people, this generation, that Jesus is alive. And I'll end with the words of Paul. He said this. He said, my speech and my preaching are not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith would not stand in the the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Within every one of you lives a superhero. Let's stand together, shall we? All right, we're going to do two things today. Again, don't run away in these series because we got stuff to do. I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to do here so that I'm not tricking you. I'm going to ask for two groups of people. The first, first thing I'm going to ask is if you have a need in your life that you would like the supernatural to deal with, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Now, once I've done that, I'm going to ask another group of people, whoever they are, to come and to gather around you and to pray. And these are people that are going to take what I talked about today seriously, and they're going to expect that the Holy Spirit's going to come and heal or restore or whatever it is your need is. So that's what we're going to do, because this isn't about me. It's not about inviting Benny Hinn to come and blow on you. This is about the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. So let's start off. If you have a need, physical, any kind of need, doesn't matter, just raise your hand right now. We're going to have people praying for you, just so you know. And I, I would get in on this if I were you, because I think the Holy Spirit's going to show up here and do some stuff. So if you have a need, I just want you to hold your hands up, put them up, and just hold them up, just for a moment. Now... You see all those hands, people. The rest of it's up to you. If you see a hand anywhere around you, I want two or three or four people to gather around every hand. And I want you to ask in one sentence, say what you want prayer for, or even one word if you want. Make it short, and because we're only going to take a minute on this. 
And I want you to start praying for that person. And we're going to expect today we're going to see miracles. So away you go. See a hand raise. Go find those people. And then once you have three or four people praying for you, you can put down your hand. If you only have one person, keep it up. We want to get a few people gathered around. Let's take a moment. Yes, we're doing this. This is what the church does. Praise for people. I still see hands up. Hold them up high so people can see you. Once you have a few people around you, you can put them down. There's a whole row of ladies over here that need prayer. Right over there, I'm pointing at them. Get out of your chair, walk over there. Greater works. Greater works shall you do. Just keep waving your hand until someone comes. There's some hands at the back, way over there. There's some hand way, way over there. There's a hand up here in the front. You're going to pray for her though, right? So someone else is coming in there. All right. You take a minute doing that. I want to talk to the rest of you. If you're not being prayed for or praying, I want you to do a favor for me. I want you to close your eyes for a moment, bow your heads. If you're praying, you keep going. The rest of you I want to talk to because I know there's people in this room that have not invited Jesus into their life to be your Lord and Savior. And today I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And everything I talked about today and last week, and any week for that matter, is predicated on a personal relationship with Christ. Inviting him into your life to be your Lord so that you know that you're a Christian and that you're on your way to heaven. And if you're here today and you would like to make that decision, I want you to put up your hand so I can see it. Nobody's looking around. Just take a moment, put up your hand, let me see it. If you'd like to invite Christ into your life, I see a few hands in the room. Okay, great. Fantastic. So if you're praying for someone else, you just keep doing what you're doing. If you're not praying for someone else and you're listening to the sound of my voice, I want you to repeat this prayer after me because I want to pray with this group of people that is making this decision. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, first I thank you for the work of the cross, that you died for my sin, you rose again on the third day, you forever lived to be my Lord, and you did not leave me an orphan, but you sent your Holy Spirit upon me, that you are taking me from a sidekick to a superhero. And though I may be reluctant I have a mission. I have an adversary. And therefore, today I desire superpower. The powers from heaven, the supernatural that comes from you. Let me be on a mission to my community, my family, and my world, and make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jesus a shout today, shall we? All right, I have one more thing I need to say to you. Every superhero has a mission. I am going to give you an assignment. You probably don't want an assignment. You probably don't get assignments at church. I'm giving you an assignment. I want to challenge every single one of you to find someone to pray for this week and expect the supernatural. You're going to hear, somewhere at work or at home or somewhere, you're going to have somebody talking about something or complaining about something, and normally you would walk away or nod sympathetically, but this week I want to challenge you to say, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? How many would do that this week? How many would do that? How many would do I need you all to say yes. This is your assignment. And I'm telling you, God is going to show up this week 
And you're going to begin to experience the very things I talked about today. It all starts with the first prayer. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.